Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Building Blocks of Business, a podcast show where we dive in and explore various aspects of the business world. This show is brought to you by Esel and ITK, and I'm your host Kushagra, second-year BTech student in Electrical Engineering Department. And today, you're listening to the second episode of Season Three, LinkedIn's Top Voice, a season which introduces you to entrepreneurship and goes through the journey and the various endeavors in the life of an entrepreneur. So for today's show, I get to sit with our guest Hansi Marotra. Hansi is the founder of the Money Hands, which educate people about personal finance and investing in a fun and simple way. She has twenty plus six years of experience in the financial services. She has also led numerous consulting projects in India, like the National Pension System, and she she was also nominated for two thousand fifteen LinkedIn's Top Voice for finance globally. 2017 and 18 power profiles for India, top voices for India 2018, and now again in top voices for India 2020. So, congratulations, Sansi, for your achievements, and thank you so much for accepting the invitation. It's it's truly a pleasure to have you here. Thank you for inviting me. Pleasure to be here. Very good. So yeah, so let's start off. So Sansi, so for from being an investment advisor. To founding the Money Hands, what changed and where did the idea of your business derive from? Right. Okay. So, if you don't mind, um, can I take a detour and just tell you a little bit more about the journey? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so, I wanted to be, I wanted to be in finance. Okay. So, this is back when I was nineteen, twenty, probably your guys' age. Uh, I wanted to be in finance, but it's not something that um, parents encourage you to be. They wanted you to be a doctor, lawyer type thing. Um, but I was quite fascinated by it. Um, I then managed to migrate to Australia, and then, but because my undergrad degree was by correspondence, BA pass, um, I couldn't really get into the finance industry uh, directly. So I started studying for a post grad um, and worked as a financial advisor, ironically specializing in ethical investments, um, which is now a big deal. But back then, it was way ahead of its times. Um, anyway, so I did that for a couple of years, got my postgrad diploma in finance, and then I uh, got into the uh, research industry, in the mutual fund research industry, mm-hmm. which I had never heard of, and just like many other people who I sort of take on as interns today, they have never heard of it. So that was interesting, and I quite liked it so much that I decided to stay in that rather than going to Wall Street, which is what my original plan was. Anyway, so I stayed in that and it became quite interesting because we, we would do the research on funds, on mutual funds in traditional asset classes, alternative asset classes. We also do it on markets uh, in terms of um, um, whether to go overweight, underweight in terms of equities, bonds and things like that. And strategic research, which is basically what new asset classes are coming up and what new ways of investing are coming up and things like that. I quite liked it, and um, I became good at building research platforms. So back in this is I'm talking about mid '90s, and so the late '90s, um, I was instrumental in building this platform, which uh, in Australia was called iRate, which was rating mutual funds, and um, that uh, it sort of attracted this large company called Mercer to want to buy that company. Uh, they didn't end up buying it, but They like the tool, so then when I left that small company, Mercer approached me and said, "Why don't you rebuild this tool for us?" And so I did. 
And as part of that, then I built a wealth management business. Um, so basically all my life, I have been a researcher, an investment consultant, advising wealth management firms, and then uh, towards the end, also advising institutional investors, uh, especially in what investment options they should offer to their retail members. So a pension fund has to offer investment options to their members and also the communication around it. So I really enjoyed that whole mix of uh, investment or intellectual sort of uh, ability, the, the running of a business, and most importantly, the behavioral finance part of structuring the investment options as well as the communication around it. So back in the late 90s, uh, when I was telling you about this company, we also, back then we started a retail B2C educational platform. We mm -hmm. just called it banike.com. Now, unfortunately, it became another .com and a .com crash. It never saw the light of day, but that idea stayed with me. So 2008, another crisis, I saw my industry kind of um, not doing the right thing by the investor. And that kind of stayed with me as in like, surely that's wrong. So eventually when I got bored of my job, um, I decided to quit, have my midlife crisis. Um, but the idea of back in the late 90s of having a retail education platform, and then in 2008, seeing the need for something like that stayed with me. So what the Money Hunts is, actually it's not a really a business business just yet. Uh, it is taking a collection of my writing on LinkedIn and I'm putting it on a site and I'm still turning it into a business. Uh, but I'm also simultaneously launching another business right now called Money Management India, which is more a mutual fund research platform, which is what I have done all my career. So coming back to uh, your question, um, I am actually doing what I have always done, which is research, um, but more importantly, I am presenting it in such a way where retail investors who are beginners who don't particularly enjoy reading the financial news, um, what do they need to know? So I'm focusing, taking, uh, curating and focusing on what they need to know in one site and then what the professionals need to know on another site. So I've simply separated the two out. So B2B and B2C, that's what I do. That's great. That's truly inspiring. So basically, you knew your interest, you paved your own path, and you had the courage to walk on it, right? That's amazing. So, so uh, as for our young audience, so let's say if a young audience wants to start investing right now, so given that we have like very little capital to invest, uh, how could the money hands help? So uh, it's the money hunts, okay? Hansika yep. hunts. Okay? It's not Hans. It's Hans. Money. Yeah, sorry. Money hunts is just basically like I said. It's just a it's just a brand name to collate because I people would store my name in their phones as Hansi Finance. So that's uh, how right. the name came about. It's saying oh Hansi Finance, uh, Hansi Money, so Money Hans. Okay, so basically it's nothing more than just my writings. And um, so then over the years I realized that writings are fine, but uh, people. Uh, especially a young audience or a time-strapped audience like women or artists, they don't just don't like reading about finance. Just the word finance puts them off. So I started making videos, okay? So there's a whole bunch of videos on my YouTube channel. My website is um, undergoing some renovation. And at the moment, the security socket is out. So if it scares you, it's just nothing but um, security socket missing. So uh, check it out. So there's a whole bunch of videos there. So how to start? So the first thing I'd say is start. Okay, so don't wait for a perfect moment. 
uh, you should start in your 20s itself because that extra 10 years that most people lose in their 20s is what uh, where compounding can really help you. So even if it is a few thousand, whatever you can afford to start investing very regularly. Then I would say, depending on what you want to do in life. So there's some of you who will want to pursue other careers, whether it's engineering or crypto or arts or whatever it is. Um, for them, I would say a different path versus the people who want to pursue a career in finance. So people who want to pursue other careers, I would say invest in, a, uh, in an ETF, an exchange traded fund, buy the Nifty 50 to start with and just get started. Okay, and every month just put some money towards that. You can get it on any uh, discount broking platforms like ZeroDog. Um, once you uh, add more asset classes in, you may want to need other platforms, but you're so young that you have 20, 30, 40 years to invest. So just, just equities uh, would, would help. Then over time, you can add, like I said, uh, small cap or mid cap or active mutual funds to it. Uh, and then if you want, you can add some direct stocks into it, okay? Um, and then over time, as you, as you get older, you can add other asset classes. But that's kind of how I would say uh, a beginner like yourself, if not interested in, in investments, just go with that, simple. The, the, the simple thing is that you, make to, you need to ensure that you need to spend less than what you earn and invest about 30%. If you keep doing it throughout your life, you'll be fine. Um, now, for people who want to do a career in finance, I would say you need to start reading. In addition to this investing thing in, in, the, in the Nifty ETF, uh, start reading about what investments actually is. You are taking a stake, an equity stake in businesses. So you need to understand how the business is related to the economy, um, what, how is, uh, it's affected, um, and ensure that you, you really understand the fundamentals. I see a lot of young people getting caught up in trading, in sort of, uh, in whether it's day trading or slightly longer trading, but it's still trading, it's not investing. So I would recommend a few books that you would start reading um, and, and really build your knowledge up within the, again, within 20s, especially read economic history, read long-term market and behavioral finance and, and things like that to deepen your knowledge. And that's when you can build your career in finance. Make sense? Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely amazing so like as you said so i think is for the younger generations uh we sort of lack patience yeah so in trading you could like get uh like faster results as compared to investing that's the reason most of us go for investing but yeah as you said well i'll definitely start investing right now so yeah so when you say you lack patience that's not something to be proud of um okay yeah, yeah, yeah. it's 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 you can say that you can say everything you want instantaneous. But you know what? If you look around, anything that is worth having takes time. Anything. Okay. So you can't sort of expect your life to be long and, and a good meal to take time or um, anything, a career to take time. And somehow your investments should be short term. Okay. Short investments, short term are an oxymoron. You just can't invest for the short term. That's called trading. And trading. There's very, very, very few people in the world who have made money from trading long term. Okay, so if you're going to be an investor, you have to think long term. True, true, true. Absolutely, I agree. Um, yeah, so 
so where do you see the money hans 10 years down the line so like the economies are evolving rapidly new technologies and new investment options like crypto are coming up every day like so what do you think the future of investing is going to look like for normal people hmm okay so there are two different questions here um so investing is um I mean, yes, you can say new types of asset. I mean, crypto is a new asset class. I guess uh, it's about the only new one really lately. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, everything else in the last twenty years, thirty years that I've seen is basically a re-securitization of an underlying asset class. There's only so many things that give money. So either it's usually a some kind of business, which is what equity is derived from. Uh, and then everything else like futures and options and stuff are derivatives of equities there's bonds okay which are also usually investing in a business it's just that you're lending the money rather than taking the stakes so equity and bonds are the two financial asset classes and then there's real estate and commodities that the two real asset classes okay they are the only four major asset classes everything else has been a derivation or a securitization of that underlying asset class so they call it REITs, real estate investment trusts, or INVITs, which is infrastructure investment trusts, or whatever. So, the last thirty years that I've been in the industry, that's what I've seen. So, I would say, therefore, uh, nothing new has been invented. Uh, we just keep going finer and finer. Having said that, uh, the things that are interesting right now, uh, as I said, crypto is a new one, which I'm still studying, um, and then there is also things like. Um, uh the securitization of somebody's labor uh okay so for example um uh there was a thing called uh david bowie david bowie was a was a musician uh and he had sold his future rights of his uh, music income uh in the form of a bond some 30 years ago cool. okay so to me that was fascinating and i actually put that into uh the one minute videos that i've made on the money hunts saying that people can actually monetize their talent okay and that is a new asset class which will have low correlation with other asset classes right so when you're investing in somebody's ability um interestingly nothing happened for many many years and then more recently because of the advent of crypto there's now this whole nft sort of um uh non fungible tokens coming out that are trying to again um sort of monetize people's talent so i'm saying they are we see seeing the emergence of new asset classes because they're um we've started looking at the finance world differently and trying to sort of uh, monetize it differently so i think it will be interesting um in terms of um what should beginners or investors do i think investors don't have to invest in everything okay just because there are many asset classes available doesn't mean you have to invest in all of them what is the point of investing the point of investing is to build wealth for yourself and to build wealth um you either can be very confident about what will make money and put all your money or a big chunk of your money in that asset class which tends to be equities um but because you're unsure about how it might be volatile along the way because you have other goals before you have retirement right and if you're in your 20s you're probably not thinking about retirement so you're saying okay i have to buy a house i have to travel the world i want to do this i want to do that so along the way because you want to uh, sell your wealth and convert it into things that you like um you 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 want to diversify 
And that's why I'm saying to you that apart from equities, the reason people diversify is just to spread their risk. Now, you could do that with four or five asset classes. Just because there's 10 or 15 asset classes in the world doesn't mean you have to invest in all of them. It really depends on whether you understand that asset class and whether you think that um, that particular asset class will, um, will do better than what you are investing. And that's something that you need to really put your mind to. I think you have to learn to walk before you start running. So I would say uh, for you guys, I would say start with equities. Okay, don't get carried away into too many other things. Crypto is something that you can dabble in, but at this point, I wouldn't put a big chunk of my wealth into that because I'm still understanding. And um, if you understand it better, great, that's fine. Now, coming back to the money hands, um, the way I see um, that is my job is to explain all of these options and how to invest to beginners, um, just like what you're doing in this podcast. I'm trying to do that for different segments of the market. So there might be women as a segment who uh, sometimes don't like the way uh, something has been presented, the finance world has presented it. So I'm basically taking the same material that I'm telling you, but presenting in a different way. Um, so I'd say that education of any kind will undergo a revolution over the next decade or so, rather than reading boring textbooks, um, I can now watch a documentary. So if, if I used to get bored by history, by the way, when I, was, um, when I was younger, and I used to get really bored because it was just presented in a boring way. Whereas today, I love watching documentaries. Okay, so the same information is being presented in a different way. So what I'm trying to do with Money Hunts is basically do the same thing. I'm trying to make finance less boring by adding a video component, a podcast component, storytelling components, but the end objective is simply, very simply, financial education. So I will continue to do that. I will probably want to build up a kind of a, like a Khan Academy type library of educational material that different people can come, consume, learn, and leave. It's not something that I say to you that, oh, you know, you have to subscribe to it for the rest of your life. No, I think you, if you spend two, three months sort of browsing through it and actually doing what, what we say, that's more than enough and you can be on your way and then there's nothing more I can help you with through the money hands. Obviously my other business is a separate issue, but yeah. True, true, true. I'm sure our audience will definitely check, check out the money hands and they'll start learning a thing or two about investing. That's, that's amazing. So as um, for my other question, so like is the money hands bootstrap or is it funded like which one do you prefer and why is that okay um it's it's bootstrapped uh, everything uh, even even my other business right now is bootstrapped um partly because um because i'm doing something that hasn't been done before uh, when i when i when i put down the money hunts as a domain name back in 2015 um financial education wasn't that big a deal it wasn't happening. So I just said, okay, whatever I've shared on LinkedIn, because LinkedIn didn't have a library format. Uh, and so therefore, once the videos were played, they got lost. They, you couldn't just find it again. So all I did was set up on a YouTube channel and put it there. And, and I've started and collating sort of articles and videos around it. I've not really turned it into a business business per se. Mm -hmm. um, so, you, and that kind of coming, coming back to sort of the question about uh, being an entrepreneur. I think 
just because you like doing something or something is good and people appreciate it doesn't mean it's a business. For it to be a business, you have to have a business model. So you have to figure out whether what you're offering is um, what the value proposition is. So uh, is there a demand? So firstly, who's your audience of anything, okay? Of, of anything, any business that you're setting up, you have to think about it. So who's your target market? And then you have to say, okay, what are their needs? What are their pain points um, or desires, unmet desires? Then you have to say, okay, what is it that you have a competitive advantage in? So what is it that you can do that other people can't do as well? And then you have to say, okay, what is the value proposition? What, what, at what price point will you offer your service or product or service that the client, enough clients are willing to pay such that the overall business actually makes sense? That's what any business needs to do, okay? Um, now, so if, if there are any sort of uh, budding entrepreneurs, that's what you need to do. So I also thought about it and unfortunately, both my sites are basically media content. Okay, so content comes in many forms, uh, whether it's media, whether it's the Wall Street Journal or Economic Times or a magazine or whatever, whether it's television like an Amazon or a Prime um, or a Netflix or whatever, or it's radio or it's um, even education is, is content. Okay, um, so what you need to do is when you have a content business, you have to think about uh, who's going to pay for it. And in media content, um, the, the overwhelming business model tends to be advertising driven. Okay, so that's why most um, content around the world is free because there are ads being served up. And only the really good ones, uh, the Wall Street Journal and the Washington Post and, and uh, Economist and stuff have been able to monetize it very, very successfully. And now in India also, you see a whole a number of media platforms starting with a subscription model. So that model is a very recent phenomenon. So what I have to decide, obviously, is whether or not I can make that happen, whether I can get people to pay um, for two, three, four months or a course, um, or whether there are other ways of monetizing it. And I've decided there are other ways, and I'm working on them. So that's why right now the business model is, is an evolving thing uh, as, I'm, as I'm looking around and seeing how that can be turned into a proper business. Uh, but Money Management India also is bootstrap, and uh, it's only, again, just launching. So I'd say both my, both my startups are actually still very much in the uh, proof of concept stage in terms of actually uh, going to market. Uh, so at this point, you can get funding. Uh, some people do uh, get funded based on a PowerPoint, uh, but to be honest, some, there's usually a pedigree, a track record that they've had in the past that helps that helps that, right? That's where they, how they convince the angel investors or VCs that they will be successful. Um, because they're usually sort of either in the same space or adjacent space, or they have some networks or they have something that they're able to show. Um, I didn't choose not to, I chose not to as well, partly because um, I, I was still kind of um, getting out of my semi-retirement and I didn't want to, the pressure or of having to explain to investors what I'm doing and why I'm doing it and, and the pace at which people have to monetize becomes that much faster when you take money, when you take funding. So I chose that I would rather um, sort of evolve and really get it right. And only when I'm convinced that it's a proper uh, business model that can scale, 
will I take external funding? Until then, I'm quite happy for it to be what is called a lifestyle business um, by, by VCs, but uh, in the old fashioned world, which is simply called a small business. I mean, not everything, the difference between a small business and a startup is that a startup, you expect to scale. Okay, so if you open a pan ki dukan or a little bookshop, which for millennials people have been doing, um, not everything is called a startup. Why? Because they have no intention of scaling. Okay, so all I'm saying is that I have chosen to be a small business for, for now rather than a scalable startup. True, true, true. Absolutely. So uh, for let's say for a startup uh, that hasn't had any proof of concept, so what would be your uh, advice for them? I think there's no getting around it. You better get proof of concept. I mean, um, you have to have some basis on which, well, firstly, it depends. Are you going to funding at all? Okay, so uh, there are many businesses, um, startups that you can do without having to go through funding. If you don't need funding, then you don't have to convince anybody else. You have to convince yourself. Uh, it's only when you pitch to other people do you have to um, make some sort of, um, one, you have to have a makeup business plan, obviously. Uh, after you make a business plan, you make the product or service, you get some traction. The word traction is, um, again, depends on which VC you speak to. Some people want to see that, that growth in the early years, uh, the sort of doubling and tripling in sort of um, 10 times uh, sort of, of, of traction in the very early days because they're very small numbers. Um, whereas others, like I said, may have seen that pain point expressed somewhere else and are willing to back an idea. But it really depends on, on your business. It really depends on... So I, what I'm saying is I can't give you a, a tip or advice that would apply equally to all types of businesses. It really depends on who's doing it. The team is very important. The, the idea is important. And most important, the timing is very important. Um, same idea if you're five years too early, which, for example, has been the case in my business, uh, it won't work. And if the timing is just right, then you have this tailwind and it might work. So, yeah, you have to keep in mind multiple things. And just because it doesn't get funded doesn't mean it's a bad idea. And just because it gets funded doesn't mean it's a good idea. It might still fail. There's many funded businesses that don't work and eventually shut down. So don't, don't assume that funding is the end game. It's not. You have to, in the end, convince customers, paying customers. So proof of concept is very important at some stage anyway. Okay, so you cannot get out of it. You have to do it. Absolutely. I couldn't agree to that more. <laughs> so, um, Hansi, so could you please share a story of some of your failures or tough times and like the best lessons that you have learned from them? Um, okay, so I think timing, as I said, is the, the most important thing. So um, the last five years, for example, I'd say I got my timing wrong. I, I had the idea in 2015, but I've been sitting on it because I didn't think that the time was just right. Um, and then having the team around you. I, I don't have the right team around me. I think people don't like backing single founders, especially a woman, uh, but just generally anyway. So I find having the team around you, having the pedigree team around you. So not only do you have to have people, co-founders, but you also have to show that they have um, the experience or the connections or, or um, the qualifications. An I'm Ahmedabad or a Harvard, for example, makes a huge difference. 
uh, on somebody's resume. So, so the team, the timing, um, I think um, that's one. Uh, I, and I was not wrong in timing just on, on my own business. In fact, when I brought Mercer to India, uh, we came in 2008 after sort of doing our recce in 2007 and turned out that was bad timing. Um, the world collapsed. Now that one, no one saw coming, um, but, but in the end we couldn't sustain it and we pulled out. So what I'm saying is to be, to be flexible enough to be aware. It's a, it's a very fine balance between being stubborn and being aware of uh, whether an idea is not working or ahead of its times. It's as good as um, being wrong, right? So you, 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 I mean, I decided to park it and come back after five years, but uh, if I had been funded, this would have not been an option and that you can't just come back and five years again, start again. Um, but, but then again, I heard a story, I think um, Big Basket, I think was, was one of those ideas where they had started something, they shut it down and then they disbanded the co-founders and then they got back together again and did the same thing. So sometimes you hear stories and I'm hoping mine would be something like that. Um, lots of other mistakes along the way. Um, um, but yeah, most of them I've covered, I guess, in terms of concept or, or timing or co-founders or things like that, that I'm still going through. I think sometimes just being aware of your mistake isn't enough to be able to fix it. Um, yes, I'm aware I need a co-founder, but I'm still not um, choosing to partner up with the wrong people until I find the right one. I'm, I'm just choosing to go along. So yeah, lots of things. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So yeah, that's the thing. Like, uh, it's it's okay to like make mistakes. You know, like what I think is failure is not the opposite of success. It's a part of success, right? So yeah. So um, yeah. So for the next uh, so for the next thing uh, so like newbies often think, like in the in the startup industry, uh, newbies often think that one needs a lot of experience in the industry to start and run a company company in that particular industry right so so i'm asking uh, this question because you have had amazing experience in the finance consulting industry right so what do you think uh, uh, what advantages do you think you had when you started the money hands and uh, over over someone who just like who just started out I don't think I do actually. I don't think I have an advantage at all. I think there's a whole bunch of very young people. Um, so if, depending on what you see that as a business, right? So if, if I count the money hunts as a uh, content play, there are many people on YouTube now that have two, three million followers who are monetizing their content in my space, in financial education. They are teaching things on YouTube. So technically they have done much better because they're monetizing it. Um, it's arguable whether the advice they give um, is, going to be, is going to be right um, or it's correct, whether, they, whether they will have a long-term business, I don't know. So um, I, I can't sort of say that I have an advantage at all. Uh, so I, I, I would say just park the money hands because it's not really a running business, okay? So it's, it's just an idea it's not a running business so stop referring to that as a business but coming back to say for example what i'm launching with money management um or any business okay let's just take it make it more general i think you need to um so you're weighing up experience versus um energy when you are young you are uh, you have the energy to 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 jump in 
And if you fail, you still have enough time that you can recover from that setback and still have another career, taken a job or another business or whatever. Okay, you have time on your hands. Um, so what you have in human capital, in terms of simply sort of the time horizon, we make another, we make up in the another type of human capital, which is experience. Okay, so we, um, someone has 20 years experience, um, I will probably work faster, better. Um, I have networks to help me. I have capital to help me. I have all kinds of things to help me. Uh, but I probably can't afford mistakes, not as many mistakes as what you can. So I'd say if you and I, uh, if we were passionate, equally passionate about the same thing, say financial education, right? Both of us are passionate about financial education. You start a business, you're wrong. You can always shut it and start something else or take a job. I go all out and, and, and fail or make a mistake, then there's not much time that I have left in my career to be able to recover from that. So I'm just saying that I think there are pros and cons. I don't think you should listen to either one. Um, I think if your idea, the time for that is right, go ahead and do it. Uh, right now, I'd say the cap lack of capital is less of an issue, provided you can show traction, provided you show your proof of concept to someone um, usually some angel, some family, friend, whatever, can probably back you. And uh, from there you go. So yeah, you don't need experience. Now, actually I was reading something uh, recently about um, there was a, some, um, um, some business where this young person uh, got promoted over his very experienced colleagues. And he was surprised by that himself. And he actually asked his boss, you know, well, like, why are you actually sending me into this, in this line of business? Um, when there's so many other people more experienced. And his boss said, precisely, that's why. Because when people have experience, we tend to be gun shy. We have scars from our wounds, okay? Because we got burnt, either taken for a ride or trusting someone or some mistake we made. So we are much more conservative uh, in terms of going into something. Whereas this particular, uh, in this particular business, his boss wanted, he made a bet that that line of business itself was so good that they needed to be bold. So he chose a young and experienced person because he wanted that person to go all out and be bold with, their, with his initiatives rather than trusting someone with more experience who was most, more likely to be too conservative. So what I'm saying is, it really, really depends on the idea itself, on whether you need experience uh, to navigate it or whether you simply need sheer energy. Okay, so what, what, um, yeah, what, what I have experienced, you have in, in, as energy. So. Don't, don't listen to anyone giving you any gyan about uh, this is not your time. Just just do it, okay? That, that would be my tip. Obviously, having done your business plan. Sure, absolutely. I, I agree. Um, so uh, let's say if you were, uh, you were an investor and uh, so would you choose a founder uh, who, has had some uh, who has had some experience or uh, would you rather choose somebody who's like just who just started 
because as you said like uh, somebody who just who has just started he would just go bold right so like uh, personally like uh, what would a uh, uh, like ideal investor choose it's not it's not as formulaic as that as i said depends on the business it depends on uh, what business you're trying to build sometimes i need the boldness so therefore someone inexperienced uh, works fine uh, because the line of business makes a difference and sometimes i mean if it's a very political thing it's something that i mean for example um if you told me that you're going to be an in infrastructure provider okay building bridges and ports i would actually say well you know dude i mean that requires a lot of licenses a lot of navigating political waters this that whatever there maybe i would choose someone more experienced but if you came up with a hip lifestyle brand um where you can appeal to the audience then i would pick you so it really depends there's no right or wrong answer true 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 makes sense makes sense so so hansi uh, you were nominated for 2015 linkedin top voice uh, finance globally and 2017 18 power profiles for india top voices 2018 and then in top voices for india in 2020 yet again so uh, so like how do you think like uh, how 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 has this thing changed you like uh, what what impact has it made on your professional life and in your personal life short answer it doesn't it doesn't change you it makes no impact i think um i think where where it matters is because my um my ex- work experience is now a bit dated uh people don't may, might not remember what i used to do so there i think uh a linkedin sort of top voice of our profile opens doors in terms of uh oh okay so she's written something there are two different things by the way just fyi power profile is and by the way just understand also what these things are okay you don't take them too seriously uh linkedin wants to increase traffic and engagement on its own platform okay so they reward different kinds of behaviors when they wanted people to complete their profiles for their own ends okay linkedin is a uh it's a it started as a resume platform but they they basically compete with indeed and monster globally for recruitment so their primary aim was to find work and find workers so that businesses and workers can find each other for that to happen they need everyone to complete their profile in terms of how many years experience you have where you worked and they are able to then uh, collate that data and say okay you worked at five different places and you the number of years add up to 20 years so they know that you have someone with 20 years experience whether you say it or not they can add up the number of years you put in right so everything is database driven um huh, so i was saying that uh, in, in linkedin you um, they wanted you to um complete your profile so power profile was given for the most complete profiles that other people were checking out top voice on the other hand was for the content so you had to post relatively regularly i was posting like once a month i think if that um that appeals to people so the engagement with the post so what i'm what i'm saying is that power profile and top voice were two different things and by itself it doesn't change your life okay so don't people shouldn't see that as an end in itself i think uh the only thing i've got out of it is people like you calling me up and asking me for podcasts <laughs> other than that it doesn't change my life really uh i think it's just more visibility that people sort of um have 
But like I said, to my for my business, actually that's not true. I may be taking it a little bit back uh, because I now have so many followers. When I post something, even for my contacts on the on LinkedIn, it travels a lot more. It gets more views, and therefore even my contacts notice it a lot more. I think that's about the only thing that it does make a difference. So yeah, I think it's it's good, but I think you can't try doing it because if you now try, you're competing with everybody else who's trying as well. So the reason I got it, I think, is when I wasn't trying. I was just posting what I believed were strong opinions on things that mattered to me. So top voice meaning you have to have a voice. You can't just make general statements that basically say nothing. You have to be opinionated and be good at what you do. That's when you get top voice. So. Anyway, yeah. it's just a yeah, it's just a content platform. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense absolutely. So, with that being said, um, we are moving out to a rapid fire round, where I'll be asking you some simple questions about um, general stuff like movies or hobbies and everything, and you just have to answer it in just a word, right? Okay. Yeah. So let's start off. <clears throat> so, is Elon Musk overrated? No. What's your favorite superhero? Um, Iron Man. What's top on your top of your bucket list? My bucket list. More travel. What's your favorite productivity book? My favorite productivity book. Tool. Book. 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 Oh, book. Yeah. Uh, gosh, I don't think I've read that many. Um, I I think getting things done was the one that um, helped me put everything on paper. So I think probably that, although I don't read many productivity books. Not many, I haven't read any other, in fact. Mm -hmm. What's your favorite thing to do in your free time? I read. What's your favorite movie? There's no favorite movie per se. I, move, I watch movies once. Um, so I don't go back and re-watch them. So, I mean, I love, I like movies. I like a lot of movies, but I don't re-watch even the ones that I like. No such thing as favorite. If given a chance, what would you, what would you choose? Or fame or money? Neither, actually. I'm, 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 yeah, I'm not interested in either. All right. So. Happiness. Yeah, absolutely. So family or business? Oh, it's it's both. No, you, you can't. Have to, you can't have one without the other. No, you have to choose one if given. Um, if absolutely, then family. Okay. So, with that being said, uh, we come to the end of today's episode. Thank you so much, ma'am, for your for giving such beautiful insights on your very inspiring entrepreneurial path and for taking out the time to make this happen. I'm sure our listeners would have gotten some wonderful insights on the on investing. And by sharing your journey with our listeners, I'm sure you have inspired many of us who wish to have their own startup in the coming years. And I would like I would also like to thank our listeners. And I hope you took away something valuable from today's episode of LinkedIn Stop Voice. For more amazing podcasts, just stay tuned. And until next time, peace. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. 
and uh, look forward to uh, listening to some of your podcasts as well. Thank you. Absolutely. And check out check out my site, okay, if you want to actually actually learn investing, which you can't do in just one podcast. Yeah, guys, we'll be uh, putting the link for the Money Hands in the Instagram story. So yeah, do check that out. And yeah, thank you so much. Okay. Thank you so much, ma'am, for being here. Great. Thank okay. you. Thanks. Bye. 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 Thank you. Thank you.